Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back. Hello, welcome back everyone. My name's Ashley. And I'm Brittany, and we are More Than a Season podcast. We are so happy that y'all have decided to join us. Yeah, thanks so much for choosing to be a part of this community. We know that you have a lot of choices, so we appreciate it so much for taking the time to listen to us chat and just do a deep dive into the sports community. So thank you again. And if you could stop and take a second and on your favorite platform, if you could give us a follow or a review We need a little help from our community today. Yes. If you don't follow us on Instagram, you might not be aware, but we had a little bit of an incident Mm -hmm. uh, last week. We had (laughs) some another podcast that reached out to us and was kind of bashing us over our episode series name that we decided to do. So we are now transitioning our episode segment for Crime and Sports. It will no longer be Crime and Sports. We will come up with a new name soon. (laughs) But we just, they had given us a bunch of one-star reviews. And so in order to kind of build back to where we were at, we were at five-star reviews on Spotify and we were at like 4.9 on Apple Podcasts and we dropped all the way down to 1.5 on Spotify. So any of your reviews will help us to get back to where we're at. We know that our community definitely doesn't think that we have a one-star capabilities. So we would love for you guys to give us a real and true uh, review, but we thank y'all so much. You really did help us. We went right back up to almost where we were at. So we really appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank y'all again so much. We know that things happen and we're just turning the page, new fresh start. So we appreciate all the reviews and the time that y'all have sent us the encouraging messages. So we appreciate it. But Brittany has some exciting news. She had a great (laughs) week last week. I do. If you, again, don't follow us on Instagram, I got engaged on (laughs) a week ago on Sunday. So it's been a week now and it was amazing. It was so much fun. We ended up getting engaged in Laguna on the beach and then we had a photographer there and then we had a dinner afterwards with my family and friends that were in the area. It was kind of a last minute effort because we were supposed to get engaged a week later, but my dad had us go out of town for work. So everything got moved up. And so we had so much fun. It was just so great. And now uh, wedding planning, wedding planning is commencing. So it's been fun. Yeah, this is her favorite part. She loves the planning. So now it's it's finally her turn. So it's so exciting. And we are all excited to watch yes. all of your wedding planning details coming up. I'm sure everyone is like so interested and dying to know. <laughs> Um, I did not get engaged last week, but I did (laughs) go to Nashville and it was a lot of fun. We, uh, we went and kind of just had an adventure, went around town. Um, I absolutely love live music, but we went to a lot of places we had never been before. I love Nashville so much. Did you guys get a lot of good food too? Oh my gosh. We ate Mexican food for some reason. Like I feel like almost every meal, it was so, so good. And I know that's not what Nashville's known for, but I think it's just the ability to have all these choices. Um, and yeah. then we went to this really cool place called 60 Vines and it is over on, it's off of Broadway, but it's this new area that is created. It's like a food court. It was really oh, cool. cool. And so We had that and the ambiance was so neat. It had like all these trees and vines and low lighting. I mean, it was so neat. So definitely going to go back. 
And yeah. lots of time on Broadway, listening to live music, going out, getting the drinks, doing the thing. Yeah, you know, it was so funny. We had such a great time and everyone was so friendly. We were laughing because you know that cliche photo with like the big wings that yeah. everyone uh-huh. takes on the thing? The yep. line was so long to go into that. And I was like, I am not waiting in that line. So we took pictures elsewhere, but it was so good. <laughs> just Photoshop the wings into the background of your picture. I know, just like <laughs> me flying in the background. Pretending. Yeah, but overall, overall five-star review on Nashville. Absolutely would recommend and go back. And then if y'all have any questions, just let me know. I feel like I have a whole guide now. Yeah, I love Nashville. Nashville so much. And it's close to us. So that's kind of convenient because you can go back and it's not a super hard trek to get there so that's nice no it is it is so so nice and so we had a great time and we for sure will be back but we're excited to share with you all this week's episode with amber she is an incredible counselor and she has so many different qualifications i don't even want to mess them up we'll put them in the show notes but she has been on this journey of just mental health and her own personal journey, but also helping others navigate through just therapy in general on mental health. Yeah, she has a really cool spin on things, which is how we actually found her. She does like a modern twist to therapy, which, you know, with Instagram, social media, those type of things, you have more access to information through mental health professionals, which is what she does. She provides it an easy to digest bits on her Instagram so if you follow her we'll put her information in the show notes as well but if you follow her on Instagram you'll be able to kind of take in these different things that she has on mental health these different little topics here or there she's got great great visuals for that so she really dove into boundaries because we feel like that's a question that we get asked a lot with you know your in-laws or with friends with your significant other with other people within your staff and so she dove into setting boundaries and the different types of boundaries because there are a lot of different categories within the boundaries yeah she does a great job and I think that just breaking it down into simple terms for everyone to understand because as we all know the brain and the way that we operate emotionally is just so complex and she breaks it down to so easy to just Mm -hmm. understand so absolutely love this episode and boundaries are sometimes the hardest thing to learn at least for me personally and not only creating boundaries for myself but sticking to them and so with the different categories and the conversation that we have with her you will be super impressed how she lays it all out yes so take a listen and we will see you on the other side Hey, Playmakers, what's going on? Hello. You know, it's our favorite time of the week where we have another great episode. We're excited about this one. We've been talking about this for a really long time, and we know that y'all really are interested in learning all about this topic. So we're going to dive on in and let our special guest introduce herself. Hey, everyone. I was so excited when these wonderful women reached out to me and I got to learn a little bit about your mission. And I think it's super cool that you have a platform to have conversations. I'm Amber Smith. I always put my middle name in there because it's the most common last name ever. So (laughs) Amber Elizabeth Smith. I'm a mental health counselor and I currently live in Florida. I see clients usually ranging in their twenties all the way to early forties via telehealth. So they can live anywhere in the state for anxiety, depression, attachment struggles, emotional coping, personal growth, 
any of those types of realms, which covers a lot. <laughs> I'm a student at Northwestern. I graduate in like two weeks, which is really Yay. exciting. And a little bit about my mental health credentials. I have my bachelor's in psychology from Florida State, where I worked in lots of research labs studying evolutionary psychology, social psychology, suicidal ideation. Took a break from all of that stuff and co-founded a company with my husband called Number Project that does experiential marketing and events. I have since exited and then decided to go back to Northwestern to become a mental health counselor because that's where my greatest passion lies. So I am technically credentialed as an, as an intern, I'm not licensed yet, but I do love learning and I love this topic of boundaries and I'm super excited to talk about it because it comes up all the time. Yeah. So how did you like decide that counseling was kind of your passion and specifically like within mental health, because you talk a lot to people that are going through some big struggles and especially that time period, twenties to forties is like that transitional time period for a lot of us. So how did you kind of find your passion within that? Whenever I was an early teen, I'd say like 12, 13, I experienced my own mental health struggles and needed some intervention. And that was the first time I realized that this was even someone's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you grow up in the, the South at the time that I did conversations around mental health, they just didn't really happen a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this moment where I was like, why aren't people talking about this more? I don't understand. I don't need biology class. I need to (laughs) learn how to, you know, navigate issues with friendships or whatever you go through at that age. And so I decided pretty young that mental health would be my path. And that's why when I went to college, I majored in psychology. And just the more I learned about it, the more I just realized that it could totally not only heal you and help you have a better life, but it also heals future generations. Mm -hmm. So I just believe in the mission of it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think that your entire concept of your Instagram and your website that you have, first off, I want to talk about your Instagram because I'm obsessed with it. And Mm -hmm. we'll tag it in the show notes and then you can give it a little shout out at the end. But it makes the topics of mental health and just concepts so easy to understand. And I, I was scrolling through, I mean, I was deep in the feed going back. And I just think that it's so cool because even though mental health is so complex, you have managed to make it a way that it's so easy for any viewer to understand the concept. So how did you start this Instagram and then kind of tie that into what modern psychotherapy is just because I feel like the modernization and the movement is totally on its way. (laughs) You are so right that it's on its way. I really appreciate that you said that it's pretty easy to understand. I've acquired some weird skill sets over the years. I didn't mention, (laughs) but I was a high school teacher for a couple of years. I taught physics and chemistry and what else did I teach? Earth science. And so a lot of this stuff I'd have to learn it the night before, especially the (laughs) physics and chemistry. So like, you're going to teach physical science. I'm like, okay, great. (laughs) And so I learned this skill set, how to like take something that was really complex because I didn't fully understand it myself and figure out how to teach it to these students. Um, So I do believe that that skill set, I try to translate over into my Instagram content. Not that I don't believe people are intelligent, but our brain can only hold so many facts about what we're interested in. So, Mm -hmm. so I think that that, that made me really happy that you picked up on that. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as also the digital creation and stuff, when I started number project, that was my job. I did a lot of the copywriting and the initial pitch decks. So I had to learn how to create designs, even though I don't have a background in design. So a year ago, I just had this moment where I was like, 
you know what? I think I'm going to start a mental health Instagram. I've always wanted to create something like this and kind of gave it a go. I made only like nine graphics. I was like, we'll see. We'll see if it, I get any reception from it. And um, I got a lot of positive feedback, which of course was like my husband and mom and the closest <laughs> friends. They were like, this is great. <laughs> so I'm um, like, oh, like, maybe I'm onto something. And I just kind of stuck with it from there. And it's evolved into what it is now. And I really enjoy it. I don't think I expected to make so many awesome connections on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've met so many people from all over the world who are mental health professionals or just interested or advocates or like, like you awesome women are, you know? (laughs) So I've really enjoyed it. But to answer your question about modern psychology, modern psychotherapy, to me, what that means is a world where mental health is more accessible. If it's not going to be taught in our schools, how can we infiltrate it into other systems? And then also how can we provide supplemental care in between sessions or for people who can't afford or aren't ready to go to therapy? Mm -hmm. How can we provide something for them? And really, I believe this is best done through technology. And that kind of lends back to starting the Instagram account. But my passions and where I see myself going is really in the technology realm and helping connect specialized therapists who are so great at what they do, connect with the person who needs it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. When I was growing up, I have anxiety and I found out that I had anxiety when I was in sixth grade. And I know at that time, just like you're mentioning, there was like no resources. Thank goodness my mom was a therapist because she was able to like figure out what was kind of going on and able to talk me through things. But at the time, I felt like it was such a taboo topic. And so having these this this platform on social media is so important and so unique because I don't think a lot of people are doing that. It's kind of just now becoming more of a thing that people are having and talking about mental health on these social platforms. So we just love what you do and the information is just so easy to digest. And, you know, I think that for our specific sports industry, that's kind of important for our people because you're going through this life and everything and a lot of people's lives are crazy, but you know, their lives are so crazy that they want these like easy to like put into motion tactics. So with that, I kind of want to talk about like boundaries and talk about what a boundary means to you and kind of give it a definition before we kind of dive into that whole topic. Yeah. Well, first off, it's really cool that your mom's a therapist and I don't even think I knew what the word anxiety was in the sixth grade. Yeah. I had no idea what I was going through at the time. I was like, oh my God, this is the weirdest thing I've ever felt. You know, I didn't know I was a sixth grader. It was so strange. (laughs) To have a like be in middle school and have someone help you identify that. That's so cool. I wonder what I have three children. I wonder what they will, they're going to say about me. Who knows? Um, Because I'm always (laughs) like, you're, are you experiencing, are you sad? And they're like, stop. (laughs) Well, I turned out fine. And my mom, you know, my mom did that at a very young age too. So they'll be good. (laughs) I love that. So to answer your question about boundaries, like what, what, what the heck is a boundary? Cause that word gets thrown around a lot now. And I think it has almost a negative connotation at this point. It's almost, it's almost this, I'm going to reject you. So you're right. Let's clear some stuff up. And Mm -hmm. to me, a boundary is, is protecting your energy your time and your wellness so that you can be the best you and that you can pour into other people the way that they need to be poured into. So a boundary can look like the list goes on and on mental boundaries, time boundaries, workplace boundaries, family boundaries, whatever it is to help you stay the best you 
and also connect to others and show up how you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with boundaries, I have had to work on these a lot over the years. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners feel the same way. But there comes a point where when you're the person having to set the boundary, there's so much guilt that you feel because mm-hmm. you don't want to hurt the other person. So you almost end up walking on eggshells trying to like place this little boundary but like not too much because you don't want to make the other person upset so what do you say is like your best piece of advice for setting that initial boundary even if it's something small like time management or just something very minimal yeah I think that's an awesome question and kind of like you said I'm on eggshells there's there are the people who don't have boundaries and then there are the boundary pushers a lot mm-hmm. of times mm-hmm. the people that aren't even thinking about other people's limits and stuff so I think in order to even begin addressing how to take the next step it's understanding why you're struggling in the first place to set the boundary and um, you can root this all the way back to humans in general. We are animals. We're pack animals. We survive in numbers. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to say something that we think is going to hurt them. And if from an early age, you've learned that the only way to keep people close is to overgive, and my value is in what I can give you, mm-hmm. then it's very easy to be someone who struggles with boundaries. And I think some really good examples of this are, have you ever read the book, The Giving Tree? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So this book, somebody rewrote it and they, they printed out the ending on each page and they, they titled it the tree who set healthy boundaries. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it's so funny. And there's this excerpt that's like, and the tree said, hold up, this is getting really out of hand. <laughs> and I, I remember that. as a kid, I was like, wait a minute wait a minute. He gave this kid everything and he just sat on him in the end. I don't understand why this, I don't understand this message (laughs) and weirdest book. (laughs) Right. But that was like, that is a book that we were taught Mm -hmm. and um, it showed up, shows up in pop culture in so many ways. Also um, another one was the rainbow fish where it's like, you got to dim your light and keep everyone comfortable. And just this message is sent over and over and reinforced. I think that's so crazy because so much has changed which is great we're all talking about these things now but I feel like maybe sometimes people put up too many boundaries is that a possibility yes oh my goodness so my realm of therapy is psychotherapy it goes it talks a lot about childhood and how we connect and attach to each other and there is a such thing called an, an avoidant attachment so these are people who have a really hard time leaning into others and so they have so many walls up so Yeah, Yeah. I think that that is definitely a thing. In the sports industry, we have found that a lot of our listeners feel when it's during the season, whatever sport it may be, there is this big heavy burden to host and basically just create this experience around the game for when their significant other is coaching or playing, um, whatever it may be, there is this pressure that when people come into town, it is like this big event. And so whether the boundary was meant to be crossed or not, a lot of the time our listeners have asked with in-laws or family, when the expectation gets set that, hey, we're coming to five games and we're going to come visit and be with the kids and the grandkids, all these things, then it kind of puts it on you to you know, execute all of those plans because the significant other is gone. So 
With that being said, what do you think is the best approach to create a boundary where you're not so overwhelmed with all the season and everything going on in the chaotic schedule, but you're also having to host at the same time because you don't want to turn family members away? Yeah. So I think getting ahead of it could be really helpful for the next season saying, Hey, I'm thinking I can host this weekend, this weekend, this weekend. So they already know not to ask. And you're like, and I don't, I just, this season, I'm really going to take the back seat and try and enjoy and show up and be there for, be really present. So, but I, I, I want to give it my, all these three weekends. If you can make it work great. If you can't, we'll figure it out next year. So I think the way we communicate our boundaries is pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. It's this active process. If you say it one time, usually you're probably going to have to follow up with it. So let's say one person reaches out. Okay. Well, what about this one weekend? You have to go back. I hear you. I re- I'm really trying to stick to this. doesn't mean I don't love you. It has nothing to do with how I feel towards you. We can, we can plan something else another time. I'm just really committed to being present on the rest of these days. Does that, does that kind of like fall in line? Yeah, no, it totally does. And I think that that's the hardest part is getting in front of the conversation and saying, I will be able to host these four weekends or these three, because a lot of the time uh, in our world, the schedule comes out and the family is like, okay, we're coming these three weekends. And you're like, oh, uh, and you're kind of just shuffling, trying to make sure that everything gets okay. So I, I do appreciate the way that you said that is basically getting in front of it and saying, I'm going to have three weekends that I'm going to be able to host. uh, And these are the three. I think it's just a tough balancing act because usually there's two sides to the family. And so you have to Mm -hmm. balance who gets what. And so it becomes this game of trying to basically minimize all the confusion and the people coming in and out. So yes, love the way that you put that though. Yeah. And kind of like you said, it's, it's more than just them coming to a game. It's, Mm you're managing an, an entire experience and different personality types that may not know each other. So you're like, I don't know if they're going to hit it off. I don't know if they're going to get along. I, I, you have to be so actively involved in the entire process. And that's very draining, especially if that's not a natural part of your personality. Yeah. Right. Having my family here is like, for me, not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I'm. It's very casual for me. They can just be here. It's like, you know, I don't have to put on a show. I don't have to like entertain them. They can go do their own thing. But I feel like a lot of people in our community feel like when their significant other's family comes in town, it's like this big weight on their shoulders because they feel like they have to entertain them. But I think that that's the hard part with like trying to balance like, okay, well, my family could really come whenever they feel like it, but like your family can only come on these two weekends (laughs) and like trying to have that conversation with your significant other. Like what are some good tactics to kind of get on the same page with that? Yeah. I think vulnerability goes a very long way. And again, the root of what's behind that anxiety, what's behind it and saying, I really want to be very present when they're here. And I, I want to just soak it in and enjoy it. I also of course, like I, I want them to like me. I want mm-hmm. them to have a good time. I want them to whatever it is. And just being honest about those things it, and that kind of stuff takes a lot of energy. Yes. Yes. I think that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, it's hard to like balance that. I really want you guys to like me, but also like, I just need to like stay at home and kind of have a second to breathe and not be like, go, go, go. So you just hit something really important. I think there's, there are multiple types of boundaries. There's interpersonal, how we connect with others and then how we connect to ourselves. So there's almost zero time you should ever be doing something 
that you just genuinely do not want to do. I think there's a time to suck it up, but that that is not very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so if that, if you notice that your these weekends are just so miserable because you're doing stuff that is just so not you, I think that is totally okay to try and take a step back. It's so funny because a lot of the significant others in the sports industry, they are not around when their family comes in town. So it's basically like they see them at night and that's about it. So even though they're coming to spend time with their son or daughter when they come into town, they don't really see them very much. And so usually it's you and the, you know, your in-laws or, you know, your significant other's family. And so it does it comes this almost this placement of feeling like you have to entertain in order to like fill all the time up when they're not going to see their significant or their son or daughter. I want to kind of dive into what are some of the alerts or I guess flags that we could be given or told that when the boundaries are going too far. So like you're pushing the over the boundary. So either your in-laws or your significant other, just people on the outside. One, that's a lot of pressure (laughs) because you're, you're filling the, you're trying to fill the shoes of their actual child or their Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And yeah, that to me, that's, that's a lot (laughs) to have to step up to the plate. I think there's a couple things. There's the balance of you have to teach people how to treat you. Mm. They may not be used to somebody telling them. And and if they're used to you being a certain way, uh, you're probably going to have to follow up with it a few times. Mm. And you can usually kind of tell when they're starting to push. Like I said, the I'm available these three weekends, more times than not, you're probably going to get another one. Oh, but what about this one weekend? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Actually, no, they're probably not going to ask you a third time. And if they do, that's another time to address. Hey, I I mentioned this two times. I'm just, I'm just one curious what's going on here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But also you, you can only control your reactions. You are not in control of another person's feelings at the end of the day. And this affirmation that there's nothing you could possibly do to make another person happy. And that's a really tough, tough truth to sit with. Yeah. I think that's the crazy part too, is a lot of us, especially as women, I feel like we constantly worry about like, is everyone okay? Does everyone feel fine? Like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And so Mm -hmm. I think setting boundaries can sometimes bring up that, that thought process of like, oh, am I hurting their feelings though by telling them this? Like, am I making them Mm -hmm. feel bad versus like, what do I feel? And like, what do I need? Yes. And if somebody loves you for who you are, they're not going to love you for a service you provide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I know that I mentioned there's lots of types of boundaries. There's mm-hmm. like work boundaries and in-law boundaries. There are a million, <laughs> but kind of the more broad categories. And I noticed you sent these over in your notes were emotional boundaries, mental boundaries, spiritual boundaries. I added a few. So I added time boundaries, which it sounds like that keeps coming up. Like how can I reclaim my time that I am not another person's for what it sounds like 48 hours straight? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that a lot of boundaries with setting them, it comes with confidence in yourself and with respect, self-respect, because in the beginning when I was learning to set boundaries, I love my in-laws, but it has nothing to do with them, but just boundaries in general, I had to learn to respect myself and to empower myself first because I didn't feel like I deserved it in the end, in the back of my mind. And so it took me a while. So I think that for those that are 
first taking a step, like they are fresh to setting boundaries for themselves. Do you think that that makes sense is that they need to respect themselves first and then be able to have that conversation? What do you think? Yeah, you have to give yourself permission to need time. I noticed that there was also, there's a lot of talk about validating yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what that, that's what that is. It's validating. I'm allowed to need a break. I'm allowed to have time to do X, Y, and Z. And I don't really need to give anyone else an explanation for this. Yeah. Yeah. Can you dive into like the mental, like emotional boundaries that might come up that for people, like what that might mean and like how to kind of prevent overstepping boundaries? Yeah, that's a big one. Especially again, as women, like you mentioned how we, we lead with our emotions mm-hmm. and we hold emotions. So we're either holding them for others or we are communicating our own. And to me, emotional boundaries, if let's consider within other people, it's being considerate of how you share, but also what you're willing to take in. So Mm. for example, if you have, you have to vent about something, it's respecting the other person enough to say, Hey, are you in a space that you can hear this? If not, Mm. we can talk later. Or are you willing to talk about this topic with me? Because some people, if it's, especially if it's involving another person, they may not want to, but it's respecting them and giving them the option to do so. Mm. And for you, it's giving you a safe outlet to express and handle and experience your own emotions. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. I never really thought about it that way, to be honest. And I think that with our with our group, our community here, we have a lot of unsaid boundaries that are placed, whether it be with conversations. Uh, Brittany and I have talked about it multiple times. So we're placed with groups of people that obviously we did not pick. It's because the job. So everyone has their own group. They get planted with their own community, with their own team. And so a lot of that has boundaries that come with it. So Brittany and I, even with jobs, our significant others' jobs and things like that, we cannot have com- certain conversations at certain parts of the year because it's inappropriate. But someone mm-hmm. on the outside would have no idea because they're just like, oh, that's just, you know, you just talk about whatever. So with us having certain boundaries that are unsaid, it creates this kind of line where it's like you have to be able to trust that person while also not being able to talk about everything. So it's interesting in our communities because we're trying to create this trust with each other uh, without having the significant other factor of their job in our community. So even though that's what we're all a part of, it's like there's this line that we all still have to remain behind. And so with that, the whole point of me saying that is with boundaries like that, just unsaid boundaries that are present, how do you feel that a community can still connect and be positive and be around each other with that boundary in place? Yeah. Connection is this most, the most beautiful thing. It's what I was saying earlier, makes humans so wonderful. We thrive off connection And I think there's this disconnect of the amount that we have to share in order to connect with people. Mm, Um, People don't need to know every little part of you. If you think about the most key relationships in your life, you connect over, for me, I have people I've connected with over motherhood. I have some that I've known since childhood. So they know the younger versions of me, whatever it is, you can still build some beautiful, authentic, wonderful connections and validate each other. Like you were saying um, you all understand the experience of what it's like to be live in your shoes. That doesn't mean that they have to see every single part of you for the the connection to be authentic and real. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I love that. 
I'm just thinking about you just mentioned motherhood and I'm thinking about our community. We always love to kind of dive into that side of things for our community. Do you feel that as you become a mother, the boundaries get harder to set with your kids being involved in things because you're more like protective of them? Like, did you feel a shift when like you became a mother? A hundred percent. (laughs) So my time became a whole nother animal. So time boundaries. Also, there can be a lot of criticism with how you spend your time when you're Mm -hmm. a mother. So it could be like, oh, why you ain't got your hair done and you got your nails done and you're recording a podcast. Whatever it is, there can be a lot of judgment for how you spend your time, but also setting boundaries like you don't get to define how I spend my time. Mm -hmm. Only I get to. Also with being with physical touch, I would say that's the one that comes up the very most when it comes to motherhood, just in in my own sessions with with clients, um, this idea of being touched out. So basically their their physical boundaries have been at capacity so much that day that they literally cannot give any type of physical need at all. Like they don't even want a hug. Yeah. That one comes up a lot too. Interesting. Yeah. Is it just because it's like sensory overload or what is the reasoning behind just basically wanting to be removed from everything. So boundaries are all about capacity. It's whatever you have the capacity for in that moment. I only have the capacity to give you three hours of time today. Mm -hmm. I only have the capacity to give you, give this much of my physical touch. Mm -hmm. And really it comes back to needs. Like I, I only have the capacity to meet so many needs today, Mm -hmm. but, um, usually those needs happen to be physical. And I think that's where people get touched out. Yeah. And do you feel that like for your kids, obviously like you're their advocate because you're their mother and when their grandparents come in either side, like, do you feel that you're, you're having to set those boundaries for them at such a young age? I'm just so curious about how that happens. Like for your kids, obviously, you know, they can't really understand that at that age, you know, when you're younger, you don't understand boundaries. So what have you felt with being a mother and kind of being able to set those boundaries for your own kids? Yeah, that's a great question too, because as I was writing out my little tips for how to set boundaries, of (laughs) course, there's using lots of I statements, not Mm -hmm. like you do this and it makes me uncomfortable. So stop. That is not a good way to set a boundary. That is a way to piss somebody (laughs) off and make them feel like you hate them instead of like, I, I have to do whatever. Uh So that is one of the way, uh, the greatest ways to set a boundaries by using I statements, but also by modeling. And when it comes to children modeling, what boundaries look like, they absorb everything. So for example, with physical touch, I have two daughters and I don't force them to give hugs if they don't want to. I say, do you want a hug or do you want to go give so-and-so a hug and let them make the decision, hoping that they internalize that from a yeah. young age. I never felt like that was a thing. Like growing up, it'd be like, go give grandma a hug or go give, you know, auntie a hug. I don't know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't like a thought process like it was like oh sometimes you were frustrated about it you're like oh great I have to go give them a hug you know (laughs) but now I feel the shift happening with mothers and fathers being able to like put that in their kids hands and decide what they want to do at a young age I think that's so cool thank you a lot of there's a lot of pushback that's like no respect and it's like since when did a hug become respect yeah are there other ways that my children can show respect to their these people without being forced to hug them if they don't want to. For sure. I'm just thinking of motherhood. Why do you feel that there's like so much shame with with motherhood, whether it be like if you're spending your time too much or if you're raising a child a certain way? I don't have kids, neither does Brittany, but it's just 
to me, looking on the outside and hearing all of the different choices that you have, I don't know if it comes off as judgment or people are just trying to figure it out, but it seems very negative when it comes to what you should and shouldn't do. So why do you feel like women, I guess, compare and shame in that sense? Okay, this is a very big question. So this is going to take me. <laughs> I actually, honestly, I think it's one of the most important questions, though, because this plagues so many people. But yeah. you were saying earlier about just the way women are and the way we connect. And um, I think that has a lot to do with it. But also, just the recent, the last 70 years for females has drastically changed what's mm-hmm. expected of us what, what society, society even allows women to do without judgment or shame for the longest time, there were only certain careers that you could do. Um, there was a lot of control around yeah. what it means to be a socially acceptable woman. And we're still, we're still recovering from that. And I think motherhood is just such an easy target. Mm-hmm. So easy to really pick apart the right and the wrong way to do it. Yeah. And I, I believe that it's getting better, but we're still, we're still only a few generations into really modern feminism in that way. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people I've heard is like their mother-in-law comes in or even their mom comes in and is like, well, when I was pregnant or when I had you or, you know, as a mother, I did X or I did Y and it puts that like you're doing something wrong because I did this and it was the right way. And they're your mom or, you know, a mother-in-law and you kind of look up to them. So you feel that like, oh, wait, am I like you kind of question yourself? I don't know. I think that's interesting to put it in perspective of like this is what we've been taught for years and years and years. And now we're trying to like undo all of those things and kind of go back in time. Yeah. Yeah. In our community, we're trying to create momentum and change behind having to be a certain significant other that fits in a cookie cutter role, whether it's like you have to do X, Y, Z to be deemed successful or to supportive for your significant other. So I feel like that's kind of the same way as it's been done for so many generations, the same way that trying Mm -hmm. to break that mold is just almost like a taboo topic. Like we're slowly making changes and we feel the empowerment from the people in our community, but there's still groups of people that do not believe in the momentum or the change. So it's having to battle that a little bit. And I I feel like it's just time. It's just going to take time, like what you said. I think it's okay to not want to be an extension of your partner's career. It doesn't mean that you're not a great supporter that you don't even like, for example, love hosting people and having fun. All of that can be true, but I hear what you're saying. Of course, I'm coming from the outside. I don't know what it's like to be the the partner of someone who is a coach or an athlete, but I I even can hear that stigma just from my own limited experience. It's like the, you are just this bright and shiny extension that is always there. Like, like, what are you, what are you wearing? (laughs) How are you presenting yourself? And hosting everybody. I think it's really cool to say like, I don't think I have to be that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're battling with that right now too, is a lot of people are like, and some people do, and that's totally cool. Like if you want to Mm -hmm. do that, I think it's, you know, it's your choice. It's your identity. It's who you want to be, not who society deems you should be. So I love that way that you put that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask if there's anything that we miss that you think that are, is important for our community within like mental health or boundaries or relationships. Like, is there something that you feel yourself constantly going over with your clients that you think would be important for our community? I guess the last thing I will say is 
if you're continuing to struggle with setting boundaries using your, you've done all the work, you've done the I statements, for example, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of tasks today. I don't really have time for that. Or I'm so happy you considered me and invited me. I can't make it. If you're still struggling with debilitating anxiety and guilt, like I should not have done that. I'm letting everybody down. I really am a firm believer in trying to figure out the root of why you feel that way. Why Mm -hmm. do I feel like I have to please people? Chances are there is something in your childhood or a core experience that helped shape that belief for you, that you have to earn and please, and do all of these things and, and give so much in order to receive love. And I think that is such a personal journey for every single person. Everyone has a different answer for why they are like that. Yeah. And until you go and do the work, even all the boundary setting in the world is probably not going to make you feel better. You're probably not going to feel as confident doing it. Mm-hmm. But the good news is this is not a personality trait. This is something that can be healed. You are not stuck forever as the people pleaser who can't set boundaries. You can work on this and you will be happier for it. You'll be yeah. more peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, I have one last question. We ask this to every single interview that we do, and we did not put it in our little notes for you. So it's going to be completely out there for you. <laughs> and Let's do it. Yeah. So if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something about it could be mental health, it could be career, anything that could help your future self now, what would you tell your younger self? I would tell myself you're capable you are capable. I grew up thinking, as I mentioned, I had those struggles. I also didn't think I was very intelligent. I almost failed two grades. Didn't I don't know. I just remember thinking that I'm just not able to do certain things or that I didn't have what it takes. And I've come so far since then. It's so wild. My path happened to like line up to where I had certain opportunities when I got to go away to college And I took them and I tried and I realized like, oh, you are so capable. So I wish I could go back and tell myself, you know, it's going to work out. Just keep trying. Yes. Don't let people tell you you're not X, Y, and Z. Love that. I feel like we all have our own capabilities and our own uniqueness, which makes us us. So I think that no matter what it is, you can find that one thing that kind of lights your fire. And we really appreciate you coming on and giving us all of your wisdom. We're so excited to share your Instagram with our followers. So if you wouldn't mind telling us how people can find you on social media. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm a life colored Amber, which I don't, I, my name's Amber. Uh, I wish I had a better reason for why that was my handle name, but so on there, you'll find just information about anxiety, depression, relationships, kind of in that realm. If you want to learn more about boundaries, my favorite account to follow on Facebook, uh, she's called Wild Goose Counseling. Mm. And then on Instagram, it's Boundary Bootcamp. Mm. And she just does this really, has this really wonderful way of creating visuals to explain the experience of setting boundaries and highly recommend. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on and thank you to everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.